Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a serious disc agreement, the only show on the entire Antipodean internet that is concerned with disc culture. I am one of your hosts, Blake Punch Howard, and joining me today is Alexi Punch Toliopoulos. As always, it is great to have you, sir. Thank you so much for talking discs with me, getting physical, putting the physical in Physical media obsession. How are you? Blakey, you know it does me good to be spinning around with you, brother, as we <laughs> get those discs a whirring and those flicks a flickering. Oh, let's and tell you what, if there's a label recently that has made us both a flicker, mm-hmm. it is Umbrella Entertainment's Sunburnt Screens. Now, for folks who are listening internationally, Australian uh, uh, distributor Umbrella Entertainment have done some phenomenal work Mm. cataloging kind of these often like underappreciated Australian films for many, many years. And in the last year, sort of in the tail end of 2020, and probably would have gone out with a bigger bang, I guess, um, uh, if we weren't in the sort of COVID cloud, Mm -hmm. but they decided to do some tweaks and rebrand some of their streams of content. The first one was a terrific Ausploitation uh, series, which we talked about Mm -hmm. Stone uh, previously. We've also talked about their terrific Beyond Genres, which we covered The Cook, The Thief, The Wife and Her Lover and Bad Boy Bubby. Mm -hmm. But they're Oz-specific and kind of these sort of 70s set Oz classics, maybe some of the ones that are extremely well-known, but some mm. others that also slip under the radar. I feel like they go tit-for-tat. What do you reckon, Lex? It's like they go tit-for-tat. They kind of go like powerhouse, yeah. unforgettable classic, and then like underappreciated, and then they go to a powerhouse classic, and then they kind of go to underappreciated. Is that what you're feeling with this uh, Sunburnt Screens kind label? Of. I think that yeah. there, there are a few in here. I'd say so far of the five that they've released, which are The Last Wave, Dingo, Sunday Too Far Away, way and we of the never never and justice come out now is breaker morant and the next one yes. coming out is malcolm starring colin freels i think you're kind of Ooh. in that ballpark of like what they're doing because i would consider about 50 just over 50 percent are our genuine all-time australian yeah. new wave classics and they all kind yes. of fit ballpark in that area of classic rather than cult classic if you will like these would be films that are studied in film school or uh, of historical significance kind of close to the criterion collection and a few of the films even share spy numbers of the criterion collection of course (laughs) the last wave is in the criterion connection but has not had that blu-ray upgrade breaker moran had a blu-ray release um, from a criterion collection just a few years ago and so i think that it's kind of cool to have a prestige label here in australia um, that is focused on upholding the Australian cultural legacy of what our cinema is in that capital C sense. Like it would not be out of character for something like your Gallipoli to appear on on this label. And I think that's what really got me excited when this started popping its head out, when they announced that last wave was coming out. This is a film that's uh, important to me. I remember seeing it in my early days back at film school and then revisiting again when I went back to film school. And Peter Weir is like such a legend in the Australian cinema industry. I went to the same film school as him. So he's one of those like alumni that there should be like a golden statue of the school. <laughs> he's someone that we all hey. look up to there. 
I, I don't know why there isn't like when you see in all those college movies, there's like the, the most famous alumni mm-hmm. who is like in a bronze statue who you touch their foot as yep. you walk into the lecture theater. If there's any Australian filmmaker that deserves that treatment, it is Peter Weir. Yeah. So I'm, I'm like you, man. I, I saw the last wave pop up as the launch mm-hmm. pad for sunburnt screens. And I'm like, if you want to start a movie, it's, if you want to start a movie to kick off a series mm-hmm. and kind of say what you're saying about it, it's like the last wave almost canonically yes. is this extremely iconic, apocalyptic, and also just uncompromisingly bleak and brilliant film yes. that has a tone of its own, has... I mean, it, it, it's so interesting that... It's singular. It's a very unique movie. A warning. Been having bad dreams. Are you serious? Why didn't you tell me there were mysteries? This man had a dream, a forbidden vision that becomes a living nightmare. What are dreams? The way of knowing things. Dream is a shadow of something real. Why don't you go away? You'll die. I can't go away. It's a singular thing, and folks who are following One Eight Minute Productions would know that our next series is Master and Commander, which is another Peter Weir film. And it's so funny in some of the in some of the research for that. You know, and and some of the conversations that we've already had early about it, like the last wave has come up repeatedly mm-hmm. as a film that for foreign, you know, foreign film watchers, foreign film critics who saw the film many years ago and just said, look, genuinely that film disturbed me. Yes. Like it was not the Australia that I was ever familiar with on the screen. And it was something, there was something indelible about it. And so for me, you know, when you kick off that like that, it's like, okay, mm-hmm. all right. Now I'm going to pay attention. And especially, as you said, it's criterion level. Yes. You know, Peter Weir, in my mind, equals criterion. Absolutely. So it's, it's That's why like, I'm so excited for your new <laughs> podcast series. I'm, couldn't, I couldn't even stay silent when you were talking about it. I'm like, oh boy, I can't wait. I can't wait. But I think as well, like what you're kind of hitting on with this movie is this is something is almost something like a lost quality to what they're bringing with this label. And the yes. last wave has not had like a HD version of it out yet. And it is like no. an important Australian film, but it's not like, it's not like they're starting the label with Citizen Kane. They're starting the no. label with like the Magnificent Ambersons or something, you know, like yes, that yeah. slightly, the real fans know that this is a really important one. And I think that's yes. like makes it highly collectible because when it, when I saw it coming out, and I saw that beautiful new label that they've got, that gorgeous new kind of like art decoy font that they've got for it. I was like, uh, daddy need this. Lexi want this bad. Lexi made a pre-order for this on day one of it being announced because I needed it so bad. <laughs> this is this is precisely why we do this show. It's because this kind of obsession, we want to share it with you. Mm-hmm. So, look, Sunburnt Screens, we've got them all so mm-hmm. far. Um, uh, thanks hugely to Umbrella Entertainment um, uh, for the series so far. Mm-hmm. But let the record show I did own all of them before. The you did let, let, let the record show out. that I also owned three out of five <laughs> that we were sent as well. Yeah, so um, we didn't give it to a friend or he we or did, there, but, you know, we, <laughs> we did pass it on. 
If you received it as a gift, please do not call me after you hear this episode. <laughs> um, but uh, look, it's a terrific series. It kicks off with the last wave. That obviously, you know, Lex and I being gushing fans of Peter Weir, mm. it, 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 it's going to sell itself. But I want to kick off this episode too and sort of like start a bit more of our deep dives we are going to mention all of the series so far but we're going to dive into a couple of them here i really want to talk about spine number two Mm -hmm. in sunburnt screens and now it's the second umbrella entertainment release after beyond genre's bad boy bubby that we're talking about rolf to here and it could not be a more different film it is i mean Un, I'd never, I'd never heard of this film. I had no concept mm. of this film. But again, I saw the label and I'm like, okay, well, Rolf to here, a yeah. film I've never seen before. The actors are Colin Frills, you know, the the holy, you know, the holiest of holy from Water Rats, and Miles Davis. Yes. What the hell is this movie? So if you've never heard of it. Miles Davis plays Billy Cross, a trumpeter. He's on tour around the world and briefly, ever so fleetingly, he stops at an airport in the outback of Western Australia. When he's there with his band who are touring around, they just play a show while the plane refuels to the local townsfolk who are enamored by the fact that a plane is even landing in their tiny airstrip. They hang about and it strikes a young man in the crowd. His name's John Anderson. He gets called Dingo eventually by all of his friends. And as an adult, he's played by Colin Friels. And he's struck by jazz. Mm. And he he it, it has an impact on him that he can't explain. And for the rest of his life, he is literally reaching for the potential of a sound that is, you know, a uniquely jazz sound that sort of speaks through him and through his community. And so it is this rare thing which is like an acting appearance by the coolest yep. motherfucker who almost ever existed on planet earth in a, in the most random of ways that mm. he pops into this outback town and inspires someone. And they spend the whole life yearning to try and break free of their expectations to get there. And, um, it, it ended up being this kind of like really engaging, unique, mm. beautiful, um, tale of like aspiration and trying to like hit your yes. goals and then eventually what happens and I for a Rolf to hear film it actually led me like I don't know if you had this experience but it led me to feel like I was getting clammy mm. like oh how is he gonna make this a tragedy yeah and 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 so it has that effect on you but it's also just so beautiful um what did you think of Dingo I've seen this film a few times before I really really oh, love cool. this movie um this it's is I mean, in my household, Miles Davis was the number one. He was the god of our household. I love Miles <laughs> Davis so oh, much. Miles He's Davis. probably my favorite musician of all time. And um, I love Australian films. I love Rolf to Hear. So this was like one that had always been on my radar. And I have bought the DVD probably three times in my life, the DVD. <laughs> I bought, even bought the DVD within a month before this came was announced. So I feel like... The gods were looking upon me. I took the sacrifice. I bought the DVD. (laughs) Um, And, you know, it's got this... I think that what the appeal of this movie is uh, and why I think it's a smart one for the label to get is because it is just like we said, you know, freaking Rolf de Heer's made some of the ultimate classic films in this history of Australian cinema ever. Dingo is the probably the most... uh, Well, you know, all these films are kind of unique and 
weird and interesting. But I think Dingo is a bit of an outlier. There's like that cool factor of it having Miles Davis and Miles Davis like basically almost getting a freaking Oscar nomination for the score to this film. And it's one of yeah. his first movies. It's one of like Rolf Dahir's first films, if not his first film. But I think you kind of hit on what makes this film special beyond the incredible cool factor of having the sickest guy ever <laughs> do the score yeah. and be in the movie playing a version of himself is that why I think as well as important Australian cinema, it captures a very unique Australian feeling, which is having your this powerful sense of your dreams and your ambitions being so powerful and so key mm. to your being, innate to who you mm. are, but those dreams being on the other side of the planet and feeling like yeah. you're so far away, the furthest has, person it- away to from your dreams. And it may as well be on another planet, mm-hmm. right? Like, you Absolutely. know, if you, if, you know, I, I grew up on the central coast of New South Wales and like, if you had a dream or you're a film fan and you start to learn about things like making films or being a film critic or any of those things, like it, it is so almost like, um, triggering and like yeah. PTSD inducing to have all of your mates around. And part of the currency of your mateship is to just take the Mickey out of your dreams. Cause like, it's impossible. You're just going to be a builder like us, bitch. You're not going to do this. Mm-hmm. And so watching this and watching Colin Frills and watching the relationship that he has, and he becomes an outlier in his own town. Um, and it, it is just this, it has this universality, I think that is really powerful mm-hmm. as well as just being so lyrical and poetic. And some of the, some of the striking photography of oh, Western gorgeous. Australia paired with jazz. It's like oh. almost you you just want to cut scenes of this movie out, especially somewhere where that score is playing and the mm. and the, and and Colin Friel is nursing the trumpet and they're pl- like obviously not playing, it's Miles Davis playing, but yeah. him pretending well that it's Miles Davis. And you just want to almost loop that and be like, if that could be in a cafe screen mm, while yeah. you're just having a having a meal like it's in that's, an art gallery that, as you're wandering around. That's it. On the biggest fucking screen yeah. possible. Yeah, it just looks so stunning. And it really, I was like, whoa, this is so striking. And again, there's just something that you, there's an unquantifiable element of like powerful jazz that mm. if it if it gets its hooks in you, it's almost like just the vibe of the movie. It gets you without yeah. you having to be so invested, but I was actually really invested in the plot. Yeah. So yeah, it's a it's a real it's a real surprise find and something like totally left to center, which I would strongly recommend. Uh, I mean, Lex was buying the DVDs yeah. and keeping them in business with the DVD, but I, yeah. I, I think maybe it's a they great saw them the ticking over. Like, yeah, someone's really interested in keeping <laughs> this on guy. This movie. Bought three, man. Yeah. Let's get this on a Blu-ray. Bought one for my dad. Bought one, and I literally I was buying. This is so inside baseball. And so, like, I just, love it. I was making an order from the Umbrella website. I needed to put an extra five or six bucks to qualify for free shipping. I was like, yeah, Dingo's on DVD. <laughs> just chuck another one in. I'll give it to someone, I'm sure. <laughs> and then within a month, they announced, go, oh, great. It was only a stocking filler for me. So, <laughs> oh, that's so great. And I think the presentation here is stellar. The, it looks gorgeous. The new, the the, new restoration looks the, beautiful. The sound is the incredible. The cover art. Oof, the cover up. The cover up. 
the cover art is so sexy because it's this beautiful two tone of like mm. this, um, the blue sky, which which is like is blending in with Miles Davis at yeah. the top, and then just this sort of okra, like mm. uh, you know, outback orange, um, with Colin Frills in the sunset. It's such a striking poster. Like that, we before recording, we were just nerding out about film art, and I would totally nerd out for yeah. like a, a poster size version of yeah. this it, i think it would look amazing i think that's kind of like the cool thing with keeping everything very uniform in this label um the sunburn mm. screens label like having the kind of art deco font having it look in letterbox like everything's kind of powdered like you know cropped yeah. off with these black bars it makes it look very very prestige i would say there's something very <laughs> prestige about this label and I think the uniform look works so well. And then each of the images that we have that represent the film, the little screen grab or if anything, or the poster they use, they're in those kind of like ochre Australian colors of it being feeling very orange and maybe some blues in there as well for each of them. Now, some secrets for the fans. If you look at the normal yeah. back of it you get like normal credits special features etc however if you are like alexi and i uh-huh. which i'm guessing you are yes. you can actually turn it around mm-hmm. and there is a not only the beautiful art deco covers which we've been gushing about and the label numbers and the spine numbers etc but then they put the original theatrical poster on the back where the credits are and it is such a nice touch yes to look at that and just be like i want the original theatrical poster i think we can agree that one of the things that has been happening in a lot of different physical media releases is that the quality of the special features and the discs mm-hmm. are amazing yeah but some of the cover art is garbage yeah. which is why alexi and i gush about things like sunburnt screens yeah. we gush about imprint mm-hmm. because they just do it better they care and and they care. That's exactly right. They care. And, and let so me this- tell you this little thing about why they care. You flip it inside out. They don't have the hideous Australian ratings logo on there of the G, <laughs> the PG don't. that is like this Far bizarre, out. big, colorful thing. Australia, oh. they really effed up with how big they made their uh, guidance the recommendations, ratings. their rating system. It used to be so subtle. It used to be very subtle back in yes. the day. And they really mucked it up. And I think this is why Umbrella, very often, you can flip it and they don't have it on the outside. They don't have it on the inside. Beautiful. Love it. Love it. It's a great touch. Do you want to tackle spine number three? Yes. Featuring the the once sexiest man alive in Australia. Oh, man. And he's still alive and he's still Australia. (laughs) And let me tell you what. Jack Thompson still got a bitch. The guy's extremely <laughs> handsome and very, very horny. Shagadelic, baby. He is uh, the star of the film Sunday Too Far Away. But the nights can get you down And things won't stay forgotten With Sunday Too Far I think this kind of is a bit more in line with like your proper Australian masterpieces. This is a very classic Australian film. It's got a tremendous reputation. And I would say as well that it is more so than the other two, one that speaks to some sort of national identity, especially when it came out that has continued on in that legacy as well. This is a movie about sheep shearers during or leading up to the great sheep shearing strike. So it's a kind of, it's a pro-union movie. So Labor Party and unions, this is a movie that is upheld by them and has a tremendous reputation within those 
uh, communities as well. So that's kind of how I know about it because my grandpas were both union like union guys both my grandparents on both sides of my families my dad's dad was a miso and my mum's dad was a freaking <laughs> uh unionist as well so it's like been upheld in my family no i was just gonna say it's funny that he's also in this other iconic like again another 70s film mm-hmm. but like the club which is a famous australian play yeah. adaption into a film is has all that deep union energy like mm. fighting for your rights as a player as a coach as an owner about wrestling who owns the game of AFL football. So it's so cool that like, you know, both of them became these sort of indelible classics, but this one, um, this one is a, yeah. Capital C cinema. You said at the start of the show, it's like, that's it. That's what this movie is. I think that it's really interesting. That's gotten this, this new edition. I think this is a wonderful picture and like digging into the history of it is really interesting as well because apparently there's like a, almost a full hour cut out of this movie in its adaptation. Really? It was meant to like go even further past like the the movie ends at the beginning of the strike and then there's kind of like a word written out coda, like a scroll at the end that kind of details a little bit more. But then you they were meant to go into it and it was steamed as like And it's only a short running time. It's ninety five yeah, minutes. It exactly. could have been like could have been like Warren Beatty's Reds. It basically like, would have been that? like that, like a giant epic, like a trade union wow. epic in Australia. And so interesting to kind of dig into that a little bit as well, as is covered in like some of the special features. One of the special features I think is really freaking cool for Australian film fans. This is a must-watch. There is a post-screening Q&A from 2019, so very recently, uh, between the dream person you would want to interview Jack Thompson <laughs> for one over an hour after a screening of his most iconic movie is freaking David Wenham. And David Wenham. Just the two Good choice. The, it's the perfect choice. The perfect choice. Yeah. They play so well together. And David Wenham is such a good Q&A host with him because he goes, he, there's even one question where he goes, now I hate it when people ask me this question at these things, but because I'm here with Jack Thompson, I got to know. And then ask like the dream question you want to hear. I'm just like, what does it feel to be an actor or whatever, you know? But um, it's really, really good. And it's a beautiful presentation. The special features are so worth it and are so worthy of a movie of like this this important of a legacy. It's so funny. We've gone from kind of two, um, two kind of those underrated classics, even though that last wave is like capital C cinema. Mm -hmm. And then you go into like these iconic, uh, typifying Australian identity movies. You got number three, which we've just covered Sunday too far away, which again, um, worth the price alone for that Q and a, but a, a brilliant presentation. And then, We've got like the proto Baz Luhrmann Australia film, and mm. and when I, I I hadn't seen this film when I received it, and so it's been a couple of weeks since seeing it. I've seen it, I and and I'm just like, in so many ways, people like to reference Hollywood p- films when mm. they were talking about Australia. They were talking about oh, it's Australia's answer to Gone with the Wind. In fact, it felt so much more like. We of the Never Never. His position in the territory will depend very much on the standards you set important to any husband and it will be important to you i love him that's all that's important from one of australia's most loved novels comes the classic australian film we of the never never 
the true story of the love and courage of a remarkable woman. Directed, um, directed by Igor Orzins. Um, it's a big, over two-hour epic. It is about uh, Angela Punch McGregor, who is the greatest name of all time. We love her. Um, we love her to pieces. Who plays Jeannie? She goes out with her new husband, um, who's played uh, by Arthur Digman, uh, Dignam rather, who actually just basically looks like Australian Roy Scheider um, oh. when this movie was made. It's just he he couldn't look more like Roy Scheider if he tried. This is about them going out to like a Brumby slash cattle station in the Northern Territory. She's traveling from Melbourne. It's about this kind of universally white macho male brood of guys that are all around and her bringing sort of a woman's touch, the way that they interface with indigenous people here. And it, you know, for, for some of its outmoded um, uh, ideas, I never felt like, I mean, it felt so ahead of its time mm. because it's, it's not an undignified portrayal of, of the indigenous people interfacing. It's mm. actually, it's, if anything, it actually asks more questions than it is prescriptive. Yeah. And so not only is it beautiful and is it stunningly shot and the shots that they have to achieve to get this beauty are things that they have to do in camera because yeah. there's no choice at the time to do it, but it's just stunning. It, it looks wonderful. It has this, you know, you know, we talk about sunburnt screens, but there is a sunburnt mm. bronze skin, you know, beautiful quality to this thing that there's just something about the light that is in the Northern Territory of Australia um, being shot on film in 1982 when the film was made. And it's just like, there's something about that. Not only does it have all these like weird and random, wonderful things like John Jarrett, like baby face, John Jarrett, yeah. like in one of his youngest roles all the time, but it, it just looks stunning. And it's, yeah, it's just, it is a big sort of frontier epic in, in the grand in the grandest sense of the word and um Angela Pontregrega just like I think she was in a bunch of movies uh, for for a brief amount of time and then sort of disappeared off the face of the earth as far as making feature films in this country but she was an a, an AFI award winner mm. and it's just stunning it it just it's a stunning epic it's beautiful it's romantic it's sweeping it it's kind of you know if if I had a preference um, although Baz Luhrmann's is much more resplendent and has a lot of those yeah. flourishes, this is a real like beautiful frontier epic about a certain time in you know in in, in the nineteen forties ish because it's kind of intra-war period or early war period of in Australia and it's it's about people sort of you know contending with the frontier of what this country is and I, I was I was actually really struck by it and a bit moved by it it was it was a beautiful story yeah it's always been one i've been meaning to get to but i for some reason because perhaps it does have that epic feeling it's one of those ones that's sometimes a little hard to just chuck on but yes. you got to find the time to like soak into you know the movies that are like you're out of africa's or something like that where it's like a yeah. modern take on like a david lean epic playing from the david lean playbook yeah most definitely now Brand new, 4K, like 4K restoration, now on Blu-ray, Spine Number 5, one of Australia's greatest films. Mm -hmm. uh, in the conversation of the greatest film this country has ever produced, yeah. 1980s, and, and and I believe, was it was it Uncertain Regard or did it win 
the Palm Door. It oh, made a splash at Cannes in the year. It might have been. I don't think it, I'm not sure if it won, but it is certainly an iconic movie by a very popular and powerful and big Australian filmmaker, Bruce Beresford's, uh, of course, Breaker Morant. It was a new kind of war for a new century. Farmers defending their land against regiments of foreign troops who wondered what they were dying for. It was a taste of things to come. Harry Harbord Morant, Lieutenant Bushveld Carboneers. I understand they've been quite effective, sir. Very effective. We've just arrested three of them for shooting Boer prisoners and a German missionary. This man killed Captain Hunt. He will be executed immediately. Harry. They mutilated him. They mutilated him with knives while he was still alive. Christ. What rule did you shoot him under? We were out on the belt fighting the Boer the way he fought us. I'll tell you what rule we applied, sir. We applied rule 303. We caught them, and we shot them under Rule 303. When I have lived long years in Starring Edward Woodward and the aforementioned handsome Jack Thompson. <laughs> yes, indeed. Breaking Morant, for folks who haven't seen it, it is, uh, if I had a shorthand to say what it is, it is really... Australia's version of Paths of Glory. Mm. You know, it's yep. so rare to be able to make an anti-war film. And I think the, you know, in the conversation of true anti-war films are like films like Paths of Glory, films like Peter Weir's Gallipoli. Yes. Um, and, and, and I really thought like the, 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 the third in the Trinity is Breaker Moran. Mm-hmm. It's about a British, the Boer War um, and us as the colony of Britain fighting in South Africa and war crimes that are perceived to have been done by soldiers and a trial that they're put on by their colonial overseers. Mm-hmm. And it is, um, it's just an incredible tale of like uh, defiance and yeah. it's just stunning. And uh, it's one of the greatest movies this country's ever produced. I mean, how important is this film in the legacy of Australian cinema, Lex? Uh, you pretty much said it all because it's <laughs> up there with the most important, I would say. Um, and its legacy has been upheld time and time again. I think this is a very special movie. And like another movie you lumped in the same category, Gallipoli, it has one of the most important, greatest, and truly cinematic magic film endings ever produced yeah full stop i'm not going to say in this country (laughs) i'm going to say full stop there and the ending of this film is so widely known in australia as kind of being stumbling upon authenticity and stumbling upon magic i don't want to say too much about it because if you somehow are listening to this and you don't know what i'm talking about the specific final moments of this movie Mm. you will watch it then you will look it up and you'll be you'll be gobsmacked that they figured it out before it was known yeah it's 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 so special it's a it's an important australian film 
And um, although it didn't win at Cannes, it was actually nominated for yeah. the Palm d'Or. Um, and it literally, you know, I'm going to say some of the actors' names. I had Edward Woodward, who has gone on to do other things. He's a British actor. But, like, you've got Brian Brown, Jack Thompson. Mm-hmm. It kind of basically cemented those guys yeah. as, you know, in the pop cultural consciousness as icons of Australian cinema. Um, Don McAlpine, who mm. later went on to shoot some, one of our greatest cinematographers, um, obviously went on to work a bunch. And then you've literally got Bruce Beresford, who's a director of an Oscar-winning Best Picture, who who yeah. then basically banked he banked his career on this. And so it became this calling card for what a, what the Australian new wave was and it became a calling card for every single actor yeah. every single behind the scenes you know production yeah. powerhouse and it's yeah it's a, it's a special film so if you haven't seen it this is the time for you to see it it's Absolutely. It's, it's a blu-ray offer 4k um restoration it and genuinely it's, might yeah. be the peak of the Australian new wave like it may be that yeah. and Gallipoli in the same year it, it, right I, I like to play this game, and I don't know if you play it, Lex. But it's like you play the game where some years at the Oscars, you yeah. hear about, you, you, you go like, oh, what won that year? Yeah. And some years are just like, how did that happen? Mm. And then you get certain years, and and one in a in a really um uh one in a really terrific book actually by Mark Harris that I've just been reading. So if you're a Ooh, film nut, yeah, Mark this Harris. Is, th- this is something that you should read. It's called Scenes from a Revolution, and it's the 1967 Oscar-nominated films were Can I Bonnie guess? and Clyde. Oh, okay, go, go. I know. Bonnie and I've Clyde's one. one. The Graduate yes. is another one. Yes. Um, uh, In the Heat of the Night is the yes. winner. That's the winner. Um, And then the other ones would be... So that's three. I need two more. You do. One of them also stars Sydney Poitier. Oh, of course, it's uh, um, with Spencer Tracy, Catherine Hepburn. Uh, I guess she's coming to dinner. Yes, and one that is a flat-out imposter, Alexis. Yeah, that's there's one that's old school, right? Because the rest are all very like new Hollywood, the breakouts of new the, Hollywood the- cinema. And exactly the the final nominee, which actually in Mark Harris's book, he even says in the first chapter that that there was a a little bit of a a bet that this film, mm. <laughs> there was a bet that this film actually bought its way into its nomination, which oh, is Doctor Doolittle. What it's Doctor Doolittle, yeah, Doctor Doolittle, <laughs> yes. yeah. So 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 that's what I think. Like if you look at. Firstly, Breaking Morant, that's that's in production. Year mm. of production is 1980. Gallipoli is technically released in 81, but mm. I, I guarantee that there's going to be a crossover yeah. in those. And it's like the Australian new wave, pound for pound, like movie for movie, is so unbelievable that if you just broke them up and like sprinkled them through cinema, mm. they would, if we were nominating what the best films of every year would be, that they would just win hands yeah. down. It wouldn't even be a. It would not be a fair fight. Yeah. And so, and I and I think that with you know your Bonnie and Clyde's of the world, your graduates of the world, like in almost any other movie year, in the heat of the night, in almost any other movie year, those th- films just like smash mm-hmm. other they films to pieces. In the path. Yeah. And so I I think that yeah, it, this is if Sunburnt Screens is doing anything, it's adding some profile to that era, which is so powerful and so iconic mm. and just really pound for pound some of the best films we, we were making as a country. But, um, but you know, it's, but it's also, you know, got some stone cold classics like Break Moran yeah. in there, which is just, you know, undeniable, 
Un- absolutely undeniable. And then the upcoming release, the next one coming out, is Malcolm Stone, Colin Friels. Uh, we've almost yes. got a stable of actors being reused in these films. But Malcolm yeah, is yeah. one that's a bit more on the kind of culty, left of centre side for this imprint of this label. And um, I'm excited because Malcolm is a big one that I've actually never seen before. I've never seen Malcolm. I'm excited to see it. Now, obviously, we are completely in the pocket of this and are now just spending our money hand over fist um, or perhaps taking our hat in hand to Umbrella and asking them to continue sending them to us. But, um, but hat in hand, we're going to be buying these. I mean, this is, this is something. And, and, and I, and you know, um, Malcolm's one I hadn't heard of either. And, and, and again, we of the never, never was such a discovery for me. And I was, I also felt bad. And I feel like as a, as Aussie, film fans like you and I are, and you being an, an Aussie filmmaker, I feel like it's like, it's our duty and obligation mm-hmm. to make sure we're closing these blind spots. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And I anticipate many other great films <laughs> and discoveries to be released in this label as well. Predictions, perhaps. Uh, I think that one that would be a safe for me, because I know they've released, like they've mm. released Walkabout, they've released Picnic Hanging Rock. I think they could do another Picnic Hanging Rock another release under this label. But I guess for me would be their weird mob, the Michael Powell movie about Italian migrants in Australia, kind of a weird comedy. But Michael Powell, one of the most significant filmmakers of all time, late in life became Australian and made movies in Australia because he was banished from Hollywood. I think (laughs) that one could be one. And perhaps his other movie from Australia, post-peeping Tom, was Age of Consent with James Mason could perhaps yes. get some sort of love thrown its way. Well, look, we've just spoken about uh, the Australian New Wave and iconic films, and and I feel like when I think of iconic Australian filmmakers, my first inclination is to think about Peter Weir, mm-hmm. and I would love, because I know how damned expensive, even finding the DVDs that include the double DVD, actually, Mm -hmm. which is ridiculously expensive. I think it's 50 American dollars to get 1974's The Cars That Ate Paris and the Peter Weir, which was actually technically a TV movie in 1979, but um, is is a great feature in its own right, The Plumber. So I would love to see The Plumber and the cars that ate Paris to really round out mm. and solidify that, like Peter Weir is, is, is yeah. in our opinion, Australia's greatest director has all of his like classics on Blu-ray. Because when yeah. you move then down the line, you know you have Picking a Hanging Rock, which mm-hmm. has a beautiful Criterion release. We now have The Incredible The Last Wave out. Gallipoli is still you know kicking around with great DVD releases and so on and so forth as you go through his career. So, yeah, yeah. That's that's if I'm crossing fingers and Umbrella listens to this or someone does in the sunburnt screens label i'm like crossing fingers toes everything uh to to get them to to get those on blu-ray because i think it, it that would just be so special oh, i couldn't agree more man i love talking about discs with you brother <laughs> i love talking about discs with you my friend please i know you have four million podcasts mm-hmm. but please uh, like i do this is why yeah, we decided exactly. we do another one <laughs> we needed another one to talk about discs <laughs> it's only but, fair um, that we both have one extra one <laughs> They're like, look, who who has the most podcasts in Australia? These two guys? All right, give them one more together. Like, let at least one of them do it. So please point 
the listeners of the great A Serious Disagreement show in One Heat Minute Productions to where else they can find you if they cannot get enough of you like I cannot get enough of you. Well, if you love hearing about disc culture, why don't you like hearing about stream culture as well and check out the big Ooh. film Buffet that I host with Jen Fricker for Netflix Australia. We talk about the new releases on Netflix and movies that we think you should be watching on this platform. Plus... Ter- Terrific interview mm-hmm. with Mr. R.L. Stein, one of my biggest Woo! heroes ever. Real fun. So good. Short, snappy interview. But we actually talk like, you know, he's one of my biggest heroes. So it's cool to just <laughs> chat to him and ask him Gosh. some cool stuff. So that's what I want people to listen to at the moment is that and uh, the movies that we talk about, this, the new Fear Street trilogy happening on Netflix as well, that he was the author of originally when they were books um and we've got a couple of other interesting interviews happening around that dissecting the themes of those films as well blakey baby podcast and commander on the way but what is happening <laughs> right now on the one hit minute productions feed right now on one hit minute productions feed i desperately want folks to check out zodiac chronicle we've just pipped 50 percent of the series episode 12 is up Ooh. um so v- extremely excited about that and what I can tell you is that some of the most thrilling and outlandishly great episodes are coming. Episode 14 is the interrogation scene featuring interviews with none other than John Carroll Lynch, Arthur Lee Allen himself, Manola Dargis, the chief film critic in the New York Times, Mm -hmm. James Vanderbilt, the screenwriter of Zodiac, and more so um that episode 13 is coming up this week episode 14 is next week we are just powering through the remaining 12 episodes of zodiac chronicle because we are desperate to set sail Mm -hmm. with podcaster and commander it is uh it's it's great to talk to you my friend about this thank you for being uh um uh, my co-host on this and thank you for being my chief uh, my first mate of encouragement with my new crazy (laughs) projects i appreciate it um so yeah thank you so much guys and thank you so much for listening if you dig the show please rate review subscribe to it tell your friends about it share it Reach out to Alexi and I. You can find me at One Blake Minute on both Instagram and on Twitter. Um, Lex, they can find you at, at This Is Alexi on both Instagram and Twitter as well. That's it. And so if you guys love the show, check it out. Let us know. And if you buy the discs, let us know as well. We'd love to see that physical media collection growing, curating yourself, your very own Blu-ray studios, just like Alexi has in his home. But great talking to you, my friend. Catch you guys on the next episode of A Serious Disagreement. We'll talk to you soon. Hi, this is Blake Howard, host and producer of One Heat Minute Productions podcast. We dive into the great and underappreciated cinematic works, often one minute or one scene at a time. Our crew of guests are some of the most wonderful filmmakers, writers, authors, and critics ever assembled. Our shows include One Heat Minute, Josie and the Podcats, All the President's Minutes, Increment Vice, and right now, Zodiac Chronicle. Check out oneheatminute.com or find us wherever you get your podcasts. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.